0: mess to, to the top. You're tuned in to the
2: Eagle
0: Hour. Hey, happy Wednesday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and uh, Kelly Sander. We're in the First Bank Studio here in Hattiesburg today. Luke is out. Uh, we expect him back tomorrow. We're glad you're with us wherever you're tuned in. The Super Talk uh, affiliates around the state supertalkhattiesburg.com com. be on a lot of podcasts later this afternoon so thanks for tuning in good show for you today tom brock who has been on the chain gang for the southern miss golden eagles for a quarter of a century is in the studio with us and he'll be joining us a little bit later heath hinton from big gold nation about to come on opening segment sponsored by dickie's barbecue pit proud supporters of the eagle hour and southern miss athletics Great food, seven days a week right here in Hattiesburg. Justin and the gang, we're so grateful for their friendship and support and hope the next time uh, you have a hankering for barbecue, you'll choose Dickie's. All right, uh, Heath Hinton, owner and proprietor of Big Gold Nation, joins the Eagle Hour. And, Heath, we were talking before we went on the show, and some guys, uh, some dear to this show, and and a lot of guys get really involved in recruiting and recruiting uh, when they hear commitments, uh, they get pretty excited about that. But you know, as we were talking, these are kids; these are high school kids that are making commitments. And you say some have gone good, and some have gone bad for the Golden Eagles over the last few days.
2: Sure, I mean, and this is going to happen. It's just part of the process. These kids haven't even completed their senior year. You don't a lot of, don't even know what's going to happen when their senior year is over with. Let alone right now, but. Yeah, they lost a three-star defensive tackle, Calvin Calvin Dinkins, out of Lake Mississippi. Um, He decided to uh, pull his commitment. But then again, on the same day, Southern Miss picks up a three-star linebacker commitment from Greenwood, J.D. Stewart. So, as I said, they fall off. Another one comes back. It's just this time of the year with recruiting. I mean, you're talking about 16, 17 year old kids who, I mean, they don't even know what you know. They don't even know what they want to eat, you know, most of the time. Let alone choosing a school. Uh, right now, it's and, and don't get me wrong, Southern Miss is doing a great job in early recruiting. Uh, 12 of the 14 early commits so far are from the state of Mississippi. That's unheard of for Southern Miss. Coach Holland and his staff said they were going to recruit Mississippi hard, and they have. But uh, you know, we hope you hope you don't see kids uh, decommitting after they commit. You hope they stay, but you know you can't you can't be all of that surprised when they do just because th- you know they hadn't even any played your senior football season yet. What percentage so of those kids happen.
0: What percentage of those kids, Heath, do you think changed their mind during the process?
2: Oh, man, I I would hate to say, but, look, how many times does a kid change his mind in a week? I mean, think about it. They'll be like, they go to a camp, and they're like, oh, I'm going to go here. Then they go to another camp, and they're like, ooh, I might want to go here. So, I mean, even if they're committed, uh, until it is signed on the dotted line, it's not 100% official. So, I mean, it's it's not that it's, you know, it's what's going through a kid's mind at the time. and. Everybody knows when it comes to 18 sixteen, seventeen, eighteen-year-olds, their mind changes quite often. But it is a good sign that shows that Coach Hall's out building a uh, building a culture that people want to come into, that they're wanting to commit early. So that's kind of that's really a positive sign of things that are happening. But
1: but part of but part of the problem is parenting or lack of parenting, or lack of guidance from a coach, because the term decommit is an oxymoron, okay? You can't, de- yeah. you can't really decommit. Otherwise, you never committed to begin with. So to high school athletes out there, don't quote-unquote commit until you are truly committed. That, that should tell everybody else, I'm done, I've made my decision, leave me alone. I I think that a lot of these kids do this just to get, and hear me out on this, social media attention. Just so that somebody will like what they had to say or retweet what they had to say. It's all about the number of likes and all that sort of thing. But for heaven's sakes, if you're a parent, don't let your child make any type of statement until they are truly committed. What do you think about that, Heath? It's all,
2: yeah, Kelly's right. It's also a situation where a young man says, Oh, I'm going. Maybe a young man will commit to a school. I've seen this happen in the past. He'll commit to a school, but doesn't have an official scholarship offer. The reason he commits is because so he can, other schools can see that he's committed to that school. So there's a game that's played there as well. Um, it's just, you want to get noticed. You want coaches to notice you. Seen it both ways. I've seen kids commit, and then a school pull their scholarship at the last second. Um, so I mean, you know, if a kid's going to commit somewhere, I think that school ought to, especially if they offer. Unless something happens that's uncontrollable, then they should abide by it. But yeah, schools can pull their scholarship offers in a heartbeat as well. So this is a fluid process, and, and kids need to understand that. And right now, I just think you're seeing a lot of uh you're seeing a lot of good job in recruiting by Southern Miss as a situation where they're going out, they're selling the program, Coach Hall selling him and his staff what he wants to do, and you're seeing it pay off and i think I think the ones that Southern miss has now I think most of them will stick, but to say that some won't I mean to say they all stick, I can't say that. But I have a good feeling a lot of them will stick with
0: their commitment. I'm going to throw this out to both of you guys. I think part of the problem, too, is is I'm just turned off by these scenes that I see on social media where the kid's sitting there and he's got four hats in front of him. And, you know, it's almost like we're playing a shell game. And then he grabs a hat and sticks the hat on you. Your thoughts about that, Heath? It just seems to me that there's just too much hype over where high school kids decide they're going to play football.
2: And another thing is going to get uh, – that, that type of deal is going to get uh, a lot more prevalent now because of uh, name, image, likeness rules. They want to get their face out there. They want to get as many people as to see their face, social media, so they can use that to make money off their name, image, and likeness when they get to college. So I think uh, where you saw a lot, I think this year you're going to see where kids are choosing. When it gets closer to signing day, that's going to blow up and be ten times what it was because they're wanting to get their face out there on social media, because they're wanting that name, image, likeness, money. I would just say don't put all your baskets into that. You're there to play a sport. Don't try to take your time away by dealing with that and not focus on what you're doing on the field. Because if you don't focus on what you're doing on the field, you won't get any playing time. and It doesn't matter what you do.
1: I just think it's really the whole situation with recruiting – where everybody's telling these kids how great they are and, and how they can add to the program and how they're going to help. And then once they're used up, once their eligibility is used up, they get thrown out into the real world. They are, most of them are ill-prepared you know, as to what the real world is like. They've had everybody doing everything for them. They've been telling everybody, They've been hearing from everybody how great they are. And now all of a sudden they're washed up. Nobody wants them. Nobody needs them. And they get thrown on top of the scrap heap with all the other athletes that have been destroyed and it's just so it's just so overplayed and yeah so a, so a guy commits there so what you're you're one of, of what 60 on a college football team you're one of 60 you know 85 85 you could be injured you know you might not make grades huh. i mean you really don't know how good a recruiting class is until 3 or 4 years down the road and that's if everybody sticks but with the transfer portal now you go there your freshman year and Coach, I'm not. I don't get to play, so I'm. I'm. I'm going to go over to this other school where I can.
0: I can it, it's just. And, and Mama's standing behind you, going, "That's right, sweetheart. That's right."
1: Yes. The coach has been mean to you. Can I get you some skittles? Would you like a Gatorade? Yeah. I can you remember
0: know? going home complaining about my high school football coach, and my father would say, "Oh, shut up and get your."
2: My, fa- my a- father S- was S- like back out sit- there and do what you're supposed my, to do. My father was like, uh, "Make your situation better."
0: Correct. Right. Stop that's exactly right. Yeah. That's right. go uh, do make something your about it. Better. Right. Go do something about it and stop whining. That's the kind Got of thing out. I would hear at my house. And I and you know what? I appreciate that, guys, because I learned later in life everything doesn't always go your way. Now for you it does, Kelly. But. For us normal guys that don't live in Canebrake, things don't always go our way.
1: Well, at Canebrake, we are better than We don't everybody. have the Canebrake experience behind <laughs> us now. No, you know, and again, it's something you can strive for, Heath. Something you can strive for. I'm
2: working hard, Kelly. I'm going to be your neighbor, I promise you.
1: Look, hey, I just won an award at Canebrake this week. I've gone 12 consecutive months paying my electric bill. <laughs> <laughs> that's rare, isn't it? That's pretty rare. Did you get rid now. of your?
2: Did you get rid of the futon in your living room
1: finally? Uh, that's out in the garage now. Ernesto will okay, use that. My, okay. my gardener will use that to sleep on. I yeah, tell quick. you what,
0: Heath, we're going to bring you back if you're available in the third segment. You and I and Kelly, I want to have a discussion about the about all these changes that I'm hearing about in college athletics. Alabama hired financial counselors for players. So we're going to bring Heath Hinton back later in the show. When we come back, though, I want to talk to Tom Brock. man. He's got many stories to tell a quarter of a century on the Southern Miss sidelines, head of the chain gang. We'll be right back. southern miss to the top top. you're tuned in to
1: the eagle hour
0: and we're glad you are thanks for tuning in this afternoon this segment sponsored by campus bookmark campusbookmark.net on hardy street kathleen's such a sweet lady and she will help you with any selections that you have you can shop them six days a week on hardy street or you can go to campusbookmark.net heathenton will be coming back later we're going to discuss all of these stunning changes that we're seeing in college athletics but right now we want to have some fun tom brock is with us he's in the studio here and tom has been a member of the southern miss chain gang not the type of chain gang kelly was on uh, when he was younger but this was the kind that keeps up with football games since 1995 through the jeff bauer larry fedora ellis johnson todd munkin and jay hobson regimes and tom we're glad to have you on the eagle hour well, thank you, and I
3: feel much older now when you say a quarter of a century instead of 24, 25
0: years. <laughs> well, you've seen it all, I'm sure, in, uh, in, in that period of time, and I'm interested, to, uh, of these coaches that I named, wh- what, what do you remember most about Jeff Bauer? I, I think I know what you probably remembered about Todd Munkin, because I, I was around Coach Munkin a little bit. He was a pretty vocal guy. But what was Jeff Bauer like during the course of a game?
3: Jeff was pretty businesslike. Uh, he was always had his coaching staff very well organized, so he didn't get a lot into that because he's already pretty much he'd done his planning and stuff at uh, during the week. If it was a bad call, uh, there was another Jeff Bauer appeared. Yeah. And uh, he could come loose if it was a call that he really uh, did not. Uh, appreciate shall we say the thing that was good about that was is he was very highly respected among officials because he was kind of the senior coach in conference usa so they listened to him now you know they don't overturn calls but they it it is a reminder to them that we don't Mm -hmm. want to do this again right and he they he was you know like i say pretty business-like except whenever he had the the problems with the with a call
1: now, now, Tom Brock, I have to ask you: Is it true that on many occasions during ball games you would have to wake up Ellis Johnson? He was not the most. <laughs> He's not the most energetic. <laughs> coach, coach,
0: no, no question. That's, <laughs> not the most winningest coach. No, ever. he was
3: that. That was kind of with his uh, <laughs> his uh, en- energy was yeah. like his winning.
0: Yeah. Now here, Coach Larry Fedora is going to be on this show Friday. What was Coach Fedora like on the sidelines?
3: He was a. He was. Pretty active, he was. He was uh, pretty vocal, and he was real hyper type. I mean, you (laughs) you you get around him and doing it like that, and he uh, he was like I say, he he if something didn't go right
0: either way, he he let you know it. Right now, I was around Todd Munkin by coincidence one afternoon. He was coming over to the baseball field to do the jt show and he got a phone call about one of his players that gotten in trouble with the police and he didn't like it and uh boy I, I saw a different side of coach munkin did you ever see that side he he was
3: generally a lot like coach bauer was, was pretty business like but then you know if you had a a player that screwed up he would visit with him and uh, <laughs> definitely, and in the same way with the officials. But he was, you know, he, again, pretty well organized uh, right. in what he did.
1: Now, I like his politically correct terminology. He had, visit a, had with a visit. With he him. had a visit with, he a visit with the
3: players. Well, yeah. I <laughs> may see these guys again. So. <laughs> no, yeah.
1: but I'm sure, even if you were a little bit more colorful with your speech, everybody would, you know, would totally understand. Yes. I would think, Tom. Obviously, none of us are getting any younger, no. right? And as we're on, as you're on those sidelines, I mean, you could take a. Di- you're in the line of fire about every play so how do you handle uh keeping both eyes wide open and uh, ready to bail out at any second you do
3: just that you keep your eyes wide open high school and i've done high school for 30 something years in high school i had bypass surgery that september and i worked some high school football games after that but the speed in college is a whole different world and you can't you can't really enjoy a college game because of just what you said. You you have got to always and you know you start realizing when they start lining up are they coming my way, or and you you really have to get more involved in the game. Have you ever been run over? Well, I got one. I got this we have Oak Grove's Chain Crew. We've worked two state championships and then two Mississippi Alabama All Star games, and I was doing the box. In the all the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game, the first one, and Laurel's cheerleaders were cheerleading. They had must have had a busload of them, and I had a choice of running over a cheerleader or letting a running back take me out. And
0: I well, how bad was the cheerleader hurt though?
3: Well, she did not because I did not. Uh, I, I went ahead and did it for the team and uh, and, and and took the took the running back. You,
1: you right. know, it's not like any sports fan can just go in the want ads and say, hey, wanted, person for the sideline, you know, chain gang. Right. This is one of those things where you kind of have to know somebody or you fell into it. How did, did you get started, Tom, 25 years ago?
3: Well, in uh, in high school, I, I had uh, worked the chains at Forest County for a number of years, and then the Yeah, and then uh, did summer all, and then eight, 20 years at Oak Grove, and I had a friend in, uh, in Forest County that he was on the crew, and they had one guy that worked at a one of the plants down in Wiggins, and he had to get off because of his job. And that's how I got started. And then uh, in college, B.G. Lofton, who's officiated, he's passed away now, but he officiated uh, years and years and years in high school, and he had a guy that was doing his at halftime, wouldn't show up. And he asked me, he said, would you be interested in working? Because I worked the home side. And uh, – that's how I got started. With
1: that. Is, it, is it something, though, let's say a, a complete novice to the game of football. Yeah. And somebody who really knows X's and O's, and, and you've got a son that, that played at a, at a high level. Does the fact that you know the game as opposed to somebody that maybe doesn't know the game, has that helped you, or did it, does it really matter?
3: Oh, it helps. Because you start recognizing defenses and offenses, and are they going to run what? Because now with, with, a, with a spread offense, you really have a lot more. You know, 20 years ago,
1: everything was the wing T, right? Yeah.
3: And it was, yeah, basically in leather helmets. Right. (laughs) And uh, they but now you really have to understand and recognize formations to uh, know whether or not they're going to come after.
1: you. Yeah. okay. Like on this play, they may be coming my way. So 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 I've got to watch it as opposed to somebody that doesn't know football that wouldn't have a clue.
3: They get they they would be in the hospital.
1: Yeah, I would imagine that that's yeah, that's really that's something good, you got to be yeah. careful about. And the speed and the size of
0: Division yes. One football players. Oh, it's a whole is... different world. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the yeah. loudest,
3: meanest coach you've ever heard. A coach from Louisiana Tech. He uh, he cussed this poor. I was doing the box, which is the down box on the other side. And he stayed on this little uh, headlinesman the whole game, just ranting, raving, screaming, and yelling and all that. And uh, I finally, at the halftime, I told the kid, I said, "Look, you need to drop flag on him and get that over with." And he never did. But he was—he went on to Cal and got fired there, and he's somewhere in Texas now. But mm-hmm. that is—that was by far the. Uh, Sailors couldn't put cuss words together like this man.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to – that was Sunny Dykes. Sonny Dykes. Is who you're talking about. Because when, yeah. when you said he went to Cal and then yeah. went somewhere – yeah, Sonny and what, Dykes.
3: And what was funny was about two years later, we had the Conference USA head official who had worked, I think, four Super Bowls. Great guy. And we were talking about that. And he was talking about some of the NFL coaches and stuff and all that and I told him and he said, you don't even have to tell him who it is Sonny Dykes.
0: Is that right? Now you're around the officials a lot and I hear a lot of fans criticize Conference USA officials but I have SEC friends that criticize SEC officials overall your observation of the job Conference USA officials they do,
3: do? They do a very good job uh, they, had, they had a turnover about Three or four years, not say turnover. I'm just had they rotated people out that were retired and all. And I thought they did a really good job with uh, with replacing them. And they do a good bit of training. And you, the, you know, if you and a lot of the fishers you talk to, and you know, how did you? You know, when they first come in, how did you do this? And these these people have been around the block before they get to, mm-hmm. in the college.
1: And, and let me tell you something: they better be on top of their their game because I I hear tell that that a college referee can make anywhere from fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred bucks a game. Is that right? Yeah. You know, so that and so you know for that kind of money, you expect everybody to be well trained and, and on top of their sure, game. Yeah. But it's always been my contention, Tom, and I want to get your view that it doesn't matter whether it's a Mac you know official or an Ohio Valley you know football official conference USA or that other one that begins with an S the rules of football are the same and i contend that an Ohio Valley referee could do just as good a job as one in a power 5 conference agree disagree why yeah, why not i do
3: i think that it's it it's all most all of these people that, that have, have have grown into be officials in D1 have they paid the price. Martin Hankins who is down in in Purvis. Um, he's a SEC official, and he and I know Martin's progression. And it was he earned it.
1: Of course, he and he played the game yes, in, at a very high level at the mm-hmm. University of. Memphis actually came to M.M. Roberts Stadium and beat Southern Miss one year as Memphis's quarterback.
0: That's, That's right. We've got Tom Brock in the studio with us, a member of the Southern Miss chain gang. And uh, Tom, you want to stick around and do the rest of the show with us? Out, yeah, hang around. All right, we're going to bring Heath Hinton back. We're have a discussion about college athletics in general. We've got a couple more questions for Tom as well. We're going to have fun the rest of the show. Hope you'll stay with us. To the top. Former Southern Miss putter Peter Bame on the show tomorrow, along with Patrick McGee, the professor from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, Larry Fedora on the show Friday, and Austin Davis on next Monday's show. So we're really looking forward to that. This segment sponsored by our good buddies down at 4th Street Bar and Grill, just some of the best food in Hattiesburg. Plate lunches five days a week. And Kelly, how much are those plate lunches?
1: Bob, they are ninety five now. That includes a drink. They were eight ninety five when Harry Truman was president.
0: They were eight ninety five when they, they we started this show. Yeah, I mean it hadn't been raised a penny, and the food is always really really good. It's
1: interesting though. During World War II, people were going. I think $8.95 is a little high,
0: right? <laughs> and now you think it's, it is a bargain.
1: That includes your
0: drink, your tax, everything. So right. That's right. Best place in town to enjoy a good plate lunch. <clears throat> We've got Tom Brock in the studio with us. Heath Hinton rejoining uh, the conversation. Tom, we were. Talking to you before we move on to other things about your your long career uh, on the chain gang, and we got to talking about officials during the break. And I'm going to let you put the, the old the old fan belief to rest, and that is that you've been around them now for 25 years, and you don't believe there's a iota the difference between a, a MAC official crew and an SEC or a Comfort USA. And you don't believe they have any horse in the race, and they don't come to any game trying to help one team win.
3: No, I, I totally agree. I think that uh, the when you get to the Division One level and officiating, you're good. You have been weeded out because you've gone through high school, you've gone through a lot of times junior college, NAI and stuff like that. So when you get there, you're good. And you got to keep remember that these conferences – like. Conference USA has got a man that it runs the officiating. They grade every official, every game. So you get a grade, and so if you screw up a few times, you're going to be sitting at home.
0: Yeah, I think Heath had an interesting question he wanted to ask you. Heath, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I guess, you know, would it be better in all of – kind of what we talked about during the break, would it be better – just in general and everything, if the they did away with conference officials and just went to a pool, now, I know. I believe the NCAA they have a pool.
3: They, I mean, I,
2: basketball. Yeah,
3: I I wouldn't have a problem with it. The, uh, you know, it it's was we've had them from Big Ten, uh, Sun Belt, SEC, WAC, and I'm trying to think who we we've had, but we've had them all over the MAC and all that and. There's just not that much difference in them at all.
1: You have to wonder, though, because in a lot of these contracts, and, and you know this, Tom and Heath, you've been, where the visiting team, if you have two teams that are not in the same conference, it's played at one conference's home field, where the visiting team usually brings its conference oh, officials. Right, yeah. Oh yeah. So if indeed, and I believe you, Tom, I, I think that all, that all referees, that's the very basis of being a referee is to be unbiased and be fair. But if they are indeed that way, why is it so important that the visiting team also get to take their officials?
3: I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, uh,
1: that's the way it's always been. Right. right. But, but it, it, it is food for thought, though, isn't it? Yeah. If, and they've if, had
3: – now, if you, if you play a Division Two team – I know there's other words that they use now, but if you play a Division Two team, then you're going to have a Conference USA official
0: cruise. They're not going to bring the – division two officials
1: in right right yeah everything everything being equal as far for as for example
0: a, when southern miss plays grambling that'll be a conference usa crew yes
1: right interesting that tom talked about a lot of these officials are are weeded out that the colorado's officials usually wind up out of weed you know <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right look i'm gonna go i'm to go around the horn and I, i'm gonna start with our guest tom and then heath and kelly and I'm an old school guy. Kelly and I talk about that a lot on this show. I I believe that there's professional athletes and I believe there's college athletes. And I think one of the wonderful things about college sports through the years is that you see kids that they're students first and they play for the love of the sport. But Tom, I think that's changing. I, I read today where Alabama is hiring a financial consultant to help their players manage all the money they're about to make that, Oh, Mrs. Quarterback is demanding money. I read an article that said there's a gymnast at LSU that will likely become a millionaire from endorsements. Have we seen the death of amateur athletics? I think it's on its way. Yes, uh, it's it's. Uh,
3: you know, I had a son that played college football, and he didn't starve. I mean, it, you know, like these guys, but like he got. Uh, his room rent and his food and they he and three or four others lived in a house which they should have burnt the house down when they left but mm-hmm. from cleanliness, this but mm-hmm. uh, he 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 was okay and uh, you know it, so there's some misnomers and they you know everybody's trying to make a a heartbeat out of it and, and it's not necessarily but yes I think it's and I think it's very well as a
0: separation from these power five and the rest of the conferences too Heath how how good or bad is this going to be?
2: Uh, I uh, wait to see, but you look at it now and you look at you know just kind of the way things go when you bring a lot of money into a situation, it usually doesn't end up good. I think the NCAA has been letting this go for so long. Um, I think there needs to be some new leadership there. They're going to have to make a decision on they're going to have to cap this. They just can't let it go wild where you have – Supposedly, Miami University—they're going to have sponsors going to pay every player six thousand dollars. I
0: read that today. To yeah. sponsor
2: stuff, this is—you got to do something, or it's already become an advantage to states that don't have state income taxes.
1: Right, Kelly Center, and Florida. Do Florida does not have right. state income taxes. But, but no,
0: Kelly. Here's what I see, and Heath brings up a great point about the University of Miami. So you're you're a coach at Florida Atlantic. Pick a school. South Florida, it doesn't matter. And you're out recruiting Tom's son because you want him to come play, and Miami says, well, you know, if you come here, you're going to get $6,000 a season just to start out with. Well, in most cases, South Florida is out of the running.
1: Which they is, are buying players at Miami. Which is exactly what Tom Brock said, that that eventually the Power Five, let's face it, the halves against the have-nots, the have the rich will get richer, the poor will get poorer, which at some at some point this is going to fracture. It has to it can't support its own weight the way that this thing is going. So that that is is what's going to happen. One good thing, right? You got to dig deep to find a good thing that could come out of this. But a lot of college athletes don't have real good reputations as to how they act off the field, off the court, off the diamond, whatever. These type of deals are going to help some of these guys behave, if that makes sense. Because what company – and Tom's I'm, – I'm glad you're shaking your head. Yes, Tom. Because a lot of these companies are not going to want to sponsor a seedy person. They're going to want a good, decent person to represent their product. So it'll help clean up some athletic behavior off the field. Reasonable?
0: I think so, yes. All right, last question. I'm going to go back around the horn. We'll start with you, Tom. Uh, some of us, I think you're one of these – we believe this will bring the eventual separation, maybe sooner than later, of the Power Five and the Group of Five, and we may, at long last, see two different "quote unquote" leagues competing. I personally think that's a positive. Your thoughts? I definitely do. Definitely. That it's uh, Southern Miss.
3: I mean, and I was looking through, going through the number of athletes that we, great athletes as we've had. We've been very lucky. And there's a point in time that that's just not going to happen anymore. And, uh, yeah, I think it's got to.
0: All right, Heath, what about you? Are we fixing to see the split that we've all anticipated could possibly happen?
2: I think you could. I think if it happens, I think you're going to see the Power Fives realize how much they need the group of five. There's a symbiotic relationship there uh, for games and different things. I I do think you're going to see some type of split does the Power Five? Uh, I think well, I think before it splits, I think you'll see the Power Five uh, expand. I think you'll see the Power Five expand oh, well, yeah. before the split happens. I think you'll see that happen before they split the way they're formed
1: now. But then, who gets added to the Power Five? And again, let's let's just hypo- right. hypothetically say that Southern Miss is included in the Power Five. Well, budget wise and everything else, they're still not going to be able to compete. Right, You know, with those schools. And I wouldn't have any problem with a national championship game between Southern Miss and Central Michigan.
0: No, I, I, you think, know? I, I think it's a level playing field. Yes. But what we're seeing now is an uneven playing field that's become steeper.
1: Because of the money that these guys are, are going to be and able he to make. makes
0: a good point, Kelly. When you start throwing this kind of money around, it's not going to have a good ending.
1: No,
2: well, overall. Also, you notice that the NCAA trying to – I guess, put a good face out in front started, before this Supreme, they knew this was going to happen. They knew the court, they started throwing out that 12-team playoff to make people happy. So they were already trying to appease people that knew they were going to be upset by this. And they started this 12-team playoff. I think, look, the NCAA knows they need some new leadership there. There needs to be some people there that make tough decisions instead of kicking the can down the road, which they've been doing for the past 10 years. And I think if you see that happen, there may be some good happen come out of this. But until that happens, nothing good is going to come from anything.
0: All right, Heath, thank you very much. Heath Hinton, Big Gold Nation, a go-to website for Southern Miss Athletics. We're going to keep Tom in the studio. We're going to come wrap things up. Kelly's got all the news of the day and a few more tidbits. Stay with us. Southern Miss to the top. They want to thank D One and D Bat for sponsoring the Eagle Hours. A great place to take your child if they're a baseball or softball player. If you are an adult athlete, and wants to fine tune your game, D One D Bat on Hardy Street. A great place. All right, Warren Zevon, Kelly Sander, took yeah. us out of the last segment, and he wrote the greatest lyric in rock history. I'm going to recite it and let you finish it. Okay, you got it. I just saw a werewolf drinking a piña colada at Trader Vic's. His hair was perfect. <laughs> the great late Warren <laughs> Zevon. Thank you, Michael Merkin. Yes, yeah, indeed. Great bumper music. All right, Tom Brock continues in the studio with, but first, Kelly, a lot about the uh, a little bit about a, a, lot, of about things. Things. a lot of things. There's
1: yeah, there. let's start with Conference USA. First of all, uh, Conference USA gives an award every year for community service. The schools actually compete for this award for the number of hours that both male and female athletes spend in the community, trying to make their communities a better place to live. Finishing first this year was UAB. Southern Miss was number two in the number of hours that uh, Golden Eagle athletes spent in the community. So Good. our hats off to him for that. For the record, Florida Atlantic was third. Louisiana Tech was fourth. So take that, Bulldogs. <laughs> uh, elsewhere, some local news, kind of in the Hattiesburg area. East Carolina has promoted Austin Knight to the position of new pitching coach. Knight, that's K-N-I-G-H-T. He is the son of Larry Knight, longtime Coach at Summerall High School and Hattiesburg, Uh, Austin played collegiately at Ole Miss where he was a catcher. catcher. There, Congratulations to him. And former Southern Miss relief pitcher Colin Cargill has been named the pitching coach at Mississippi College, where he will uh, teach the Choctaws how to do it right. I don't know if he's going to teach them all to throw from from way down there like he used to pitch it, but uh, congratulations to Colin Cargill and Austin Knight. The XFL announced today, instead of starting in the spring of 2022, they're not real comfortable with where the franchises are at this point, so they have delayed the start of their return To football in the spring of 2023. And this word out of Tokyo today, where the Summer Olympics from 2020 are supposed to start in 2021. uh, Tokyo says now their COVID cases are on the rise. Again, it's been three consecutive weeks that COVID cases are on the rise. There is a feeling by the International Olympic Committee that the country of Japan will declare a state of emergency, meaning they are likely to ban all fans at the Summer Olympics this year, that the games will go on, but no fans will be able to watch. Certainly horrible news for the huge contingent from Trinidad Tobago, who have, I think, four fans going this year to the Olympics. All
0: right, Tom Brock uh, still with us. Three minutes left. Tom, you you said something interesting. You've been on the sidelines for a quarter of a century at Southern Miss, and uh, some of the younger people just don't understand how glorious Southern Miss football was in the past – Give us a few examples of some of the superstars that played football here. Well,
3: I was look—I was looking through some press guides that I've got. I had nineteen ninety nine was the first one I looked at, and the starting wide receivers then was Sherrod Gideon and Todd Pinkston, both played professionally.
1: And Sherrod Gideon, I think, is a high school football. He's a head coach now right. somewhere Co- in the Delta yeah, high school football. He coached
3: pedal too, I think. Right. And then Derek Nix was a running back who's on the. In the on the, the ring of honor there. Right. Uh, the defensive line, This, if I had to line up and think that I've got to run against these guys, I would be turning the scholarship in. <laughs> <laughs> Cedric Scott, DeQuincey Scott, John Nix, Adelius Thomas, Ty Trahan, and T.J. Slaughter.
1: Wow. T.J. Slaughter went on to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars and Green Bay. Adelius Thomas, of course, with the hey, New dude. England Patriots, among others. Ty Trahan, is now the defensive coordinator at Pearl River Community College right down the road. But so they, the, DeQuincy they had, Scott played for the Chargers and, yep. and the Vikings, I think, in the NFL. So <laughs> DeQuin-
3: DeQuincy Scott is still talked about in Alabama baseball.
1: Because he was a dual-sport athlete.
3: He hit a home run. We were, I was there about two years ago, and this guy said, he said, you still had his brother? Yeah, he said, I never will forget DeQuincy Scott. He hit a baseball that went over – the right field fence at six foot over it. It hit one bounce and hit Coleman Coliseum. <laughs> mean, <laughs> if, you, if you've been to there, that's a long, long way. That's a great story.
1: And a quick De Quincy Scott story, too. I, I knew DeQuincy because I was working TV at the time. We got to be, you know, good buddies. And my I was flying to San Diego for an event I was hosting out there, and my sister was supposed to pick me up. She lived in suburban San Diego. Something happened where she couldn't. I called DQ, and I said, DQ, can you per chance pick me up at the San Diego airport? He was there in 15 minutes. He said, yeah, I'll come on come and pick you up. And the ride I was in was was pretty nice, too. But I'm just saying. Yeah, he wasn't riding in a Yugo. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Of course, Yugo's coming out with a station wagon, Bob. Did you yeah, hear about that? I don't know. No, I'm afraid to, but go ahead. It's called a Wego. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right, Tom. Great, great, great athletes through the year. Just unbelievable. We could sit here for an hour yeah. and name great athletes that played here, went on to play in the league. and but uh,
1: But who's, uh, but who's <clears> to <throat> say some of these guys that are playing right now? Might not, might not, you know, be be. somewhere in the in the league in a couple years. Two running backs now.
0: Correct. Yeah, you're right. Well, one with pretty good lineage, <laughs> I for would sure. say. His dad's a Hall of Famer. Yeah,
1: no question. Hey, and he's, he's going another year, isn't he? Frank Gore Sr. Yeah, going he's another year. to play he's again going against the place of the Jets. The ageless <laughs> wonder. Tom, great having you on the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. It was uh, fun to talk to you about uh, your adventures over the last 25 years. All right, uh, Peter Bame, former punter for uh, Larry Fedora's Golden Eagle Championship team on the show tomorrow, Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, and the coach himself, Will be on the show uh Friday. Coach Fedora looking forward to that conversation. Thanks for tuning in. Until tomorrow, everybody. Southern Miss. To the top. Into
2: the future.